Many of us are concerned about the longevity of merchandise we purchase, especially major ones like automobiles and refrigerators and washers and dryers. Uh, we want to make sure, uh, I know that this is in, in the front of my mind because we just finished going through this. Uh, you want to take your time, make sure that you get the right one and that it lasts. So we have a tendency to, to buy those extended warranties. We know that these products will eventually give way. As much as we complain after 10 or 12 years or 15 years, why is this thing going so soon? And we want assurances that we can get it up and working again. Well, not so with God's Word. God's Word does not need an extended warranty. Why? Because His Word is totally, completely true. It will do what He says it will do, and when He wants it to do it. It's very interesting on uh, bags of grass seed. One of the things we read on the label are the contents of that bag. Just like when you, you're looking at the content label of your mayonnaise or whatever else you may buy. I used to think that a bag of grass seed, it only had grass seed in it. Doesn't it make sense? You buy a bag of grass seed and you get a bag of grass seed. To my surprise, I discovered that grass seed, uh, bags of it, it also has other content as well. Here on this label, it not only has a different variety of grass seed, we expect that, but it also has other crop seed. What is other crop? Uh, that means that uh, somehow in the production process, there could actually have been like a seed from corn or, or seed from wheat actually contained in the package itself. So then when your grass begins to grow, you're wondering, why do I have a, a stalk of corn in the middle of my grass? Or why do I have wheat growing in my grass or, or flour or something of that nature? But it also has inert matter. What the heck is inert matter? Well, in this case, inert matter is fertilizer. So the, uh, uh, the people who put all the grass seed in the bag, they add the inert matter, in this case the fertilizer, to make sure that when they spread the grass seed that it has uh, some kind of energy so that they can grow up a little bit quicker. And then finally, even grass seed, a, a, a bag of grass seed, uh, you may find weed seed in there. And no, I'm not talking about cannabis. Right? I'm talking about like seed from dandelions or all that other stuff, creeping charley uh, that you may find in your yard. That as you're spreading uh, the seed, all these other things can also be in your bag as well. We understand the fertilizer. But what about all the unintended seed that made its way into the package? I want you to know today that God's Word doesn't need any help to grow. In fact, what waters God's Word, do you know what waters God's Word, by the way? If we know that God's Word is a seed, then what waters God's Word? Do you know? God's Word. 
God's word waters God's word. <laughs> the word of God causes growth, and guess what? It will grow. It is a seed with a guarantee stating that it will grow and that it has no failure rates. Uh, one of the things I found out that uh, when you're growing vegetables, for instance, I've grown them, grown them from seed, and, and what you will typically do is, you will, in each little pod, you will put three, grass, three plant seeds in each pod. Why three? Don't you need just one? Because it is their expectation that either one of the seed may not grow, or one of the seed may not be as, uh, the plants may not be as strong as the other. So as they begin to grow, if uh, the other ones grow, you basically pull out the ones you don't want and you trash them. God's word does not need a money-back guarantee. Doesn't need that clause. Jesus is not concerned over whether or not his word will grow. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is not was or can be. For the word of God is living and active. All right, let's uh, say that out loud with me. I will say for the word of God, and you will say what? Is. Let's try it again. For the word of God, uh, what does is mean? It's present and it's active. It's happening right now. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Of joints and of marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's why uh, some people do not want to subject themselves uh, to the true preaching and the true teaching of God's word because they uh, believe that if they begin to hear it, it will say things that they don't want to hear. Hey, been there, done that. And keep on doing it, as a matter of fact. If you keep on living, if you keep on coming to this church, sooner or later you're not going to like some of the things you hear. Sooner or later, you are not going to like some of the things you may hear. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the things uh, that you may hear may cause you to run. As one preacher that I know, he often says in his message that the word of God will either uh, draw you near or drive you away. Huh, which one are you today? You haven't heard this message yet. If the word of God is not doing this. The word of God is not active in your life, then we must ask the question why. If you're not feeling any conviction, if you are not feeling any sense that ever that God is speaking to you, then we must ask the question why. Why is it that God's word promises all of that, but uh, I'm not growing? Why is it? Says that it's living and it's active, right? If it's doing all these things, why am I not growing? Why is it that I'm always hearing stories about other people growing, but me in my life, I experience no growth at all? 
Why is that true of me? I, I don't get it. Some people will say, well, they're just being phony, right? They're saying all those things because uh, they just want Jesus to look good. Well, uh, we don't have to make Jesus look good, do we? Jesus looks good all by himself. In fact, if we weren't here in this room today, do you think Jesus would be looking good? Absolutely. Jesus would still be full of glory and in his splendor. He would still be being worshipped by a host and host of multitudes of people and angels since the time that the world have actually begun. And even before that, the bottom line is Jesus does not need us to make him look good. He looks good all by himself. So in our passage today here in Mark chapter 4, as we see it's very common, the Word of God uses agricultural terms to symbolize much of what Jesus speaks, both concerning His Word and also Himself and the Kingdom of God. And if you've heard all the previous messages, you know that prior to today's message, we understood that uh, the true spiritual and eternal relationship is not based on biology, but on relationship through Jesus Christ. We have also seen that through the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, some have rejected that relationship, uh, causing Jesus to redefine uh, these highly prized connections amongst uh, his people uh, through the common bond of obedience to God. Simple as that. Now, Jesus will clearly show us today. Jesus will clearly show us those spiritual barriers that obstruct spiritual growth. Have you been wondering, why is it that I'm not growing? I, uh, I used to struggle in times past, would people say that I'm not growing in the church? Oh, I'm not growing there. Jesus said there's a reason why. Remember that spiritual growth is not based on how much you know. It is based on who you know and how much more you are becoming like Jesus day to day. So here in Mark chapter 4, Jesus presents three different barriers that are nagging in every presence in our lives. Number one, here's the first barrier. Uh, there is a resistant heart. There is a heart, yes, our hearts, that are resistant to the word. And in conjunction with that, we have Satan. Number two, there's shallowness. Have you ever seen a shallow person? Uh, some people used to say about certain other peoples uh, that uh, the will is going round and round, but the hamster is dead. That is shallowness. And then the other thing that can be a barrier to uh, getting God's word is an overly concern for the world and the things thereof. This, ladies and gentlemen, these are ongoing barriers that exist in many of our lives, and it is a battle that we all must come face to face with, sometimes on a daily basis, whether you are a Christian or not. 
You hear what I'm saying? Whether you're a Christian or not, uh, these are also your issues. <laughs> Our difficulty is in seeing how it plays out in the everyday circumstances we often find ourselves in. In other words, these things, they don't seem like an issue until after the fact. But once it's over, then we would have already made our decision about God's word. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And here is the first barrier. Satan takes away the word of God from you. There it is. That's the first barrier. The devil. The devil takes away the word of God from you. Verse 1, uh, again he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things and parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, verse 3, Listen, listen, behold, look, listen, look. Imagine if you would that a sower went out to sow. In other words, a farmer went out to plant seed. Verse 4. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. So here, Jesus begins teaching through a parable. For which sometimes, you know, it seems like some of the things of God are just seem like they're very difficult to grab hold to. Some of us, no matter how much you hear, no matter how much you read, it's always just hard and I don't get it. Right? I want you to skip with me in the same chapter. And I want you to look at uh, verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about, these, about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Uh, Jesus says, you know what, uh, when the word of God goes forth, uh, there are going to be some people there uh, that they're going to hear it and not understand one thing. They're going to look at the scripture uh, and don't even have the slightest clue. It's also interesting about God's word. I, I was reflecting on this and I was uh, sharing this with my wife. And I was telling her, it's very interesting that never at any time did we ever see Jesus watering down the Word of God. Jesus never had a seeker-friendly service. 
that at all times that, uh, that Jesus, he gave what he had to give at, at full value. He says, because if you really want to know, you're going to get it. Amen? It's just like uh, there's a job that you really, really want. Right? Or for that matter, there's a lady that you really, really want. Right? And when I think of my wife and I think of the extent I went to get this woman, I did everything in my power to make sure uh, that this woman would be mine. Well, I know that I had it all together because she told me, she said, she's like, you know what she calls me, Captain, right, Captain? She didn't call me Captain then, but I already knew I was driving her ship. You see, when you, when you, uh, there's something that you really, really want, you go get it. So Jesus said that there is nothing different with me and my word. He says, when I present my word to you, if you really, really want it, you're going to do everything in your power to get it. It's not just enough to say, I don't understand, and then walk away. If you don't understand, then, then it is the Holy Spirit who calls you to find out what you don't understand. Amen? So here, in verse 13, Jesus says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? I can imagine me standing before Jesus. He would probably say, do you not understand this parable, knucklehead, right? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So know that whenever the word of God is active, know that Satan is also actively seeking, uh, pursuing ways to remove that word from your life. Whenever the word of God is active, then you better know that the devil or his imps or his uh, dark companions, that they are somewhere around you trying to find out ways how to steal that word from you. Jesus himself, he is the sower. He sows the word of God. Jesus is the one who spreads the seeds, which is God's word, in every place that it is heard. There is never a problem with the word of God. Did you know that? There is never a problem with the Word of God. I don't know, maybe you didn't hear what I said. But I will say it again, that there is never a problem with God's Word. Not Roman His Word. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Remember, I said earlier, 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is what? Living and active. So the seed of God's Word, it is alive, and it's ready to do its job in your life and in my life. Uh, so again, just one more time, just in case you missed the other six times we said it before, uh, that there is no problem with God's Word. So the teaching by Jesus here in Mark is over a concern of our receptivity of his word and the effort we make to provide an environment for it to grow. The words which Jesus speaks are life and meant to establish God's presence in everyone who wants to know him. So if, if you notice here in verse 3, uh, verse uh, 13, that Satan is presence. He's present there uh, to steal God's word. But you're probably saying to yourself, wait a minute, uh, if God's word is all of that, how can the devil come along and steal God's word? Have you ever thought that? If God's word is so strong, if God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, how can the devil come and steal that which God says that his word will not return to him empty, but it will accomplish everything it was set out to do? The bottom line is, Satan can't make God's word ineffective. The devil and his companions... Guess what? They work in, in conjunction with you. Hear what I said? The devil and his companions, they work in conjunction with you to render God's word ineffective in your life. That's right. Did you know that you sometimes help the devil in your own life? to go against you, you help him. In our passage, note that the seed of God's word, that it fell along the path. You could simply say for clarity that it fell on the path. Uh, it sounds like falling on the path sounds as cool, like it's on its way to doing what it's supposed to be, supposed to do. But imagine, if you would, that a path is a road for which people travel from point A to get to point B. And there's tons and tons of people that are walking on this ground. And if you're walking, walking, walking on this ground, your friends, your family, your, your, all the students and everybody else you can imagine, everyone is walking on this ground, you're going to make it compacted and you're going to make it hard, right? Eventually, if you can imagine dirt, right, you get enough people to walk on dirt, eventually it becomes hard. Now, imagine if you would, by chance, now there are seeds that are dropped on hard dirt. Because that ground is unprepared, because that ground is, is so hard, that seed cannot penetrate to get through the dirt. That dirt, have you ever seen some dirt so hard it's just like concrete? 
right? Uh, this is what Jesus had in mind. This dirt is so hard, it's like concrete, so uh, the seed cannot penetrate that hard uh, exterior and in interior makeup of that compacted soil. So while that seed is sitting on that compacted ground, what happens? Eventually, the birds, they come and they do what? They eat the seed. I've seen the same thing happen this year. You know, so I always have a lot of things happening at my house. If you want to experience a lot of fun, come to my house. You'll see a lot of fun in my house, right? In which we had to again grow more grass because they came and tore up the front of our house. Uh, but anyway, uh, we had to grow more grass. And I remember going out there and, and throwing out the seed liberally, just throwing it out there, right? They said, this, uh, reading the package, they said, let's throw it out there and water it. I threw that grass seed out there and watered it. And uh, before the day was out, I walked out there and the birds were all over the place just eating those seeds. I'm like, man, that's nasty. It has inert matter in it, right? Uh, but those birds, they were eating those seeds up. Problem is that we have the compacted heart. That ground was, I didn't do everything I needed to do because that ground was too hard. Uh, we don't do everything we do with our hearts because our hearts are too hard before the Lord. So when we hear God's word, what ultimately happens is it just basically falls on deaf ears. The word of God is being spread out. You know what I'm talking about. So we are the compacted soil. But if we look at the passage and understand uh, the limited ability that Satan has, you know that he can only do so much. Satan, uh, don't think that Satan is just like God. God is the one who's all-powerful, not Satan. Satan is not everywhere. God is. So if you know anything about the devil, you know that he is a fraud. And he creates a, a fake substitute for true spiritual living. And that in our passage, the only thing that we see Satan do, and that is take advantage of a situation that was already present. You see that? He does not come and stop the word. He only comes and take advantage of a situation that was already present. What was the situation already present? And that was compacted soil, but in our case, the compacted heart. Uh, Mark 4, 15, and, there are, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Satan just takes advantage of a situation. He does not do the compacting of the soil. The heart of the individual has already been trampled on before the devil even showed up. Hmm. Before the devil showed up, the heart was already hard. But tell us, old preacher, what causes this compacted spiritual ground of our soul which cannot accept God's word? You see, this is what Jesus is saying. The heart that is like that, it cannot accept. It cannot receive the things of God. It cannot. Well, there are many, but here's just a few. I want you to know ahead of time, I'm not picking on you. But I might be picking on you. Who knows? 
Here's an example. When we are ready to attend church to worship and to hear God's word, then sleep is always a big issue. Knowing that we will attend church in the morning, we willingly stay up Saturday night doing all types of things that we can imagine. Other times we stay up doing things that are not even important, like playing video games. Then when it comes time to come to church, what do we say? Well, we don't say anything. I, I, know, how, I know how it is. I remember those days when my parents used, used to tell me it's time for church. They said, it's time to go to church. You know what I would say? I wouldn't say anything. I'll be honest with you. I just wouldn't say anything. David, time to get up. Wouldn't say one word. Because I figure if I continue not to respond, that eventually they would just leave me alone and let me sleep. But thank goodness for parents that love Jesus Christ that did not want to see this fool stay in the bed on Sunday morning. I hear my father laughing over there. So uh, the person who stays home instead of going to church, they have already struck out because they have not heard God's word. You're already done because you're not even there. And people say, well, uh, my church will be on TV. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I, I get that. For some people, if we uh, stay up all night, we are already not planning on coming to church in the morning. The devil has effectively neutralized our receiving God's word by our own doing. We can't say, the devil made me do it. No, you made you do it. You, the devil is just your partner in crime. Who would ever thought that you, that I, that we would be the tools in the hands of Satan to go against our own spiritual growth? Then there is the person who finally makes it to church. But when they get there, they fall asleep. Whatever has happened last night or during the course of the week has so decimated our ability to stay awake that we are also open to Satan's ploy. The exact same is true of adults who stay up late taking care of business but cannot actively engage in God's word unless they do something else. Or what about the person who actively engages in social media while church is going on? They can't hear the uh, word of God because their mind is wanting to hear the word of the internet or the word of the hour or the word of the seconds. I've heard it all. I've heard people tell me things like, it's boring not realizing that they are tools in the hands of Satan. We have a solution for you as well. That it is uh, the devil who's using you to stifle your own spiritual growth. You. In all those scenarios, Satan prevents the prospective hearer from receiving the word of the Lord. The same is true for the individual who doesn't understand God's word. You can be wide awake in church and never understand a word that's being said. 
In this case, your mind has been blinded by the enemy, again preventing you from receiving the fullness and the spiritual impact of God's Word. So because of compacted heart, compacted soil, the hardness of our hearts concerning the Word of Christ, it never gets a chance to take root. So Satan is able to take it away with your help, of course. Barrier number two. Barrier number two. <clears throat> your faith is only an inch deep. Your faith is an inch deep. Mark chapter 4, verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. <clears throat> and since it had no roots, it withered away. And then Jesus explains this beginning in verse 16. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. They're done. The ones who are the rocky soil are those who receive the word, but it has not gone deep in their souls. I think I've explained that earlier this year as well. We also planted seed in the place where a tree was. And they had left the wood chips there. So I removed some of the wood chips and I added a little dirt. And then I added grass seed there. And what ended up happening was that the grass, it came up really, really quick. But as soon as it got really, really hot and we cut it for the first time, all the grass, it died down. Because the roots were not able to go deep. Jesus says the same is true of the person who appears to have heard the word. But as soon as a challenge of life confronts them, they are no longer Christian. They're no longer Christian. In this instance, the person receives the word of Jesus. But as soon as someone challenges them, or the challenges of life come on them, then what they believe and how they believe it is completely done. But in the beginning, they look real good, right? You can see them walking around church with their big old Bibles. You can see them praying for people, encouraging people, wondering how come other people are not strong in the faith. In fact, you may even hear them memorizing Scripture. But one thing that you know is kind of like a new car, that it looks real good the first time you get it. But then once it begins to wear and to tear, pretty soon you start to think about, it might be time for me to get rid of this car. For the people in which the word of God has not gone deep, when the heat of life, circumstances, persecution, and tribulation specifically because of the word of God comes, then they are done. They're done. Because they go around and they try to witness Jesus Christ to other folks, and those other folks start to say, well, you know, uh, uh, the Word of God contradicts itself. And us being very shallow Christians, uh, one thing that we uh, don't know is that the Word of God does not contradict itself. 
But if you are a shallow Christian, guess what? Then you start to believe that mess. And when you believe that mess, you begin to wonder about your own faith. It is true that those who have no root in themselves cannot and would not endure over the long haul. This is why when we find believers that have been true to their faith over the long haul, that we should celebrate their life and the fruitfulness that God has given them. Trust me. However, even when you have been saved for 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 50, 60 years, guess what? You still have great challenges. You're still going to have stuff that comes after you and try to come after your faith to get you to leave your first love. They will come. So if you know that you are shallow in your faith, then you need to do something about it. Well, how can you tell whether or not your faith is shallow? How do you know if your faith is only an inch deep, that as soon as a little kitty cat comes uh, running past your little uh, plant of faith, it falls down? How can you tell? How can you tell if the Word of God has no depth in you? you know, like I said before, you can share your faith and you're so fragile that you get upset. You get mad and you wonder if what you have believed is true. These are the things that Jesus speaks of, specifically those who rail against your faith. In all these examples, the person who was thought to be a believer, they fall away from the faith because the word really has not taken any root in their life. How do we deal with Satan interfering with the word and our shallowness? Number one, we deal with Satan's interference by doing what we can to prepare ourselves to receive the word. If you have a problem not being able to get up to go to church on Sundays, then you're, guess what? Uh, wow, this is profound, right? If you have a problem hearing the word of God on Sundays, knowing that the devil wants to steal that word from you, then your first line of defense is to go to bed on time on Saturday. Isn't that profound? Who would have ever thought, oh man, this is, this is, this is something. Wait a minute. This is, this is something. Who would have ever thought that getting enough rest helps to stave off the devil? Think about that. I'm not just talking about just Saturday to Sunday. I'm just talking about rest in general. Getting enough rest can stave off the attack of the devil. Huh. If you can't seem to engage in the word, then take notes. If you find yourself trailing off, then take notes. Ask yourself the question, what is the Lord trying to tell me today? To me, not to anybody sitting next to me. What is God telling me today? And ask Jesus for protection against yourself as you desire to prepare yourself to receive his word every time you hear it. As long as the soil of your heart is prepared, the devil won't have a chance of stealing that word from you. This goes, uh, this is not only true 
this is not only true of us who've come to hear the word of God, this is also true for our worship team. This is true of our ushers, our hospitality ministry, ministry with our children, every single thing that we do, that we must make sure that our hearts are prepared, prepared else the devil can come in and interfere with what God is trying to do. Finally, how do we deal with shallowness? Deal with shallowness by, how about reading or hearing stories about the perseverance of believers in and out of Scripture? There are many believers who have endured against all odds, like the prophet Jeremiah, Elijah, King David, about the New Testament, Stephen, and Paul, and Peter. What about modern-day folks? like Dwight Moody. But also consider spending time with a believer who has withstood the test of time in their faith. Spend time with a believer who has stood the test of time in their faith. And guess what? We've got a lot of those folks right here in this church. So to start off with, for folks who say that I'm not, I'm not growing in that place. Guess what? The issue is not the place. The issue is their heart. All we have to do is make sure that our heart is ready to receive God's word. Is yours? Is yours? Let's pray.